Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament. We're working our way through the New Testament. We're about three years in. We've been doing this uh, sort of a chapter at a time for the most part. Every now and again, we'll do a half a chapter. Sometimes we'll do two, but for the most part, it's a chapter at a time and sort of highlighting the main points in the, in the, in the Gospels we started with and then in the book of Acts. And springing out of the book of Acts now, we've been looking at the letters that Paul wrote in the order that we believe he wrote them. Um, and, and we can look and see, holding them in context to what was going on as he's writing to questions that are being um, raised to him by the churches that have just uh, that he was around and started as the Holy Spirit led him to travel and, and do these missionary journeys. And that um, knowing that is important as you read the letters, knowing the, the way they were written and the context and the, the overall context and then the smaller context within is important as you look at uh, verses. I was thinking about a verse this week. I wrote it on the, on the website from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, um, verse 31. And, it, and the verse has been kind of, do you ever have one of those verses that just um, pops into your mind and then it just kind of stays there and demands that you think about it? I, you know, I don't know how to say it other than that. Uh, I know it's the, the Spirit of God doing some stuff, but to me that's what it's like. A verse will just pop out of nowhere a lot of times to me. And then uh, and I, can, I have to think about what, what is that verse, I'll get a part of it and I'll think about it and then, I, and then it just won't go away. So when I read a verse like that, I think, well, obviously you just want me to think about you, so I will for a while. And uh, this verse was in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, just to give you an idea of context. And the verse says, whatever you eat or drink, um, uh, do it all to the glory of, of the Lord. That's basically it. I just gave you a paraphrase. Uh, and uh, the... Um, the part that really, what, it says, whatever you eat or drink, um, somebody look it up, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Tell me what it is while I think about it. Uh, uh, the, the, the larger context of the verse has to do with um, food, meat that's been sacrificed to idols and the fact that it's caused division in the church. That's the larger context. In the smaller context, they're talking about in those verses the believer's freedom and what's happening there. But um, when you, when you and, and so when I think about a verse, I want to think about those things. Well, why was this verse being written? First off, there's a big division going on about meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And then in depth, you know, what did that look like? And it was partly a problem because pretty much all of the meat that you could buy in there had come out of that situation in the meat stores and stuff. It was an issue for Christians. And some were saying you can't. And some were saying it doesn't make any difference. And Paul sort of weighs into it. And remember the whole context of what Paul said is you guys are just supposed to be loving others, each other anyway. That's the bigger deal here, not having these divisions. And then he, he launches in in those verses around there about the, the freedom we have as believers, which is a tremendous freedom. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And then he gets down to that last verse. I saw somebody look it up right? Um, did you look it up by any chance? Anybody over there? Yeah, what did it say? Whatever you eat or drink or anything you do, do it all to the glory of the Lord, right? The, the, the thing, the smaller context to me was, I took those last little chunk there, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of the Lord. Now that's the part that's been playing with me. And uh, so I've been thinking about that. That's pretty significant. Because really, when you start thinking about a verse like that, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of the Lord. You're, you do it all to the... So whatever you do. But this is pretty encompassing. Not only whatever you do, whatever you don't do. Do it all... You, you know, so, so it's pretty significant uh, and it's, it's one of those little big time verses about life, 
Whatever you do, you're supposed to be doing it for the, for the glory of the Lord. It's supposed to be about him, not about us. Pretty big deal, right? Anyway, I say all that to get you back to context. Why context is important. You have to be careful that you, you're holding that into the bigger context of what's happening or you can get off track with some of those things pretty significantly. Um, and so that's why it's important that we, we break down the scripture and we study the way we do it and we're looking at it in the bigger picture so you know how it fits. Oh, okay. Well, that's where that one verse is and this is how it fits in the context right around it and then in the bigger picture of what's happening. Okay, so anyway. I don't know why I gave you all that. It's not in my notes. My notes start with the Bible verses and that was all extra. Stop. Okay. So, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 21, uh, contains the verses from which comes our mission statement here as a church, as our, our church here. Um, this, the, the Big Pine Vineyard Community Church um, has as its mission statement one more. Um, I like that mission statement. I think it's one you can all remember, that you should all know that... that uh, uh, the importance of a mission statement like that is my hope it would be if anybody ever asked you what's that, what's that vineyard all about when they find out you go there that that's as, that's as detailed as your answer needs to be one more and if they press you you can go one more it means one more you know lost child back to dad one more person to Christ one more in the kingdom of God one more that's what, what that's all about and that, that mission statement allows us to evaluate everything that we do um, because it should, everything that we do should ultimately have in its makeup that we're looking for one more. And that's, that's what we're called to do. And so uh, it helps us to do the things that we should do. And it helps us to do the things that, you know, remind us, well, that's really not part of your mission. So you're sure you're supposed to be doing that. Because there's a lot of opportunities to do things that are good things that may not be part of your mission. Um, one more is pretty encompassing. But still, there's, there's things specifically that fall under it that make sense to us, and those are the things that we pursue. So in these verses, these last 10 verses, hold, uh, 11 verses, hold most of um, the ideas of our mission statement. And so we've been digging through them a couple verses at a time, much slower than we do most of it. We're going to hit the last three verses in it today, but let me read uh, all of 11 through 21 for you uh, today. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we're out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Blessed be the word of the Lord. 
So in these verses, I said we're talking about our, our mission statement, and so far, we've already looked at the fact that, um, uh, you know, as we look at these things, that the motivation for what we do has to be love. Uh, we talked about um, being a force, which, you know, I said was a frontline operation, reconciling, caring, and encouraging, that we're, the church, we believe, is called to be a force in the world around us, not a, not a fortress that protects us from the world around us, but we're supposed, to, we're supposed to engage our culture so that we can tell them about the love of Jesus. Um, we've talked about the fact that uh, in these last couple of weeks together, we have a radical message. We'll talk about that a little more. Uh, we have, we're to Im, uh, Im, Im get ourselves going in radical hospitality and radical generosity. And when I use the word radical, it means not what people expect. And so we're, we're trying purposefully to be out in the community as the church doing things that they don't expect us to do, which is why we, we do so many of the things that we do, which is why we wash people's cars and then give them a dollar, which is why we invite people in for meals and do it all for free, which is why we are constantly trying to think of things that we can do to impact people um, so that they, it breaks down sort of the stereotypical way that, that the, the world has come to look at the church and makes them go, well, maybe, maybe I haven't got this figured out exactly because I don't expect what's happening now. Maybe there are some things that I need to check into. And so that's our hope. That's, that's what the Lord gives us. And, and he's got us out there doing those things, making a, uh, with radical hospitality and radical generosity, giving us opportunities to present the radical message, which is the good news. And we'll talk about that here uh, again. Because um, uh, the, the next thing I want to talk about is the message of reconciliation. We're going to focus on verses 18 through 21 today. Um, the message of reconciliation is talked about again here in verses 8 and 19, 18 and 19. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So this message of reconciliation then is, is the good news. It's the gospel. It's the truth. Um, and we've, we've talked about where that comes from and the importance of it and what it looks like. Um, uh, that, that God has made a way for us to be reconciled to him in Christ um, who died for our sins, uh, was buried, and on the third day he rose and that that was witnessed by hundreds of people. That's the heart of everything that we do and say and believe. That tiny little piece of the message. There's all this other stuff that goes with it, but that's the heart of the gospel. Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again, defeating death. And it was a well-witnessed fact. It's not a story. It's not a myth. It's not a good, you know, it's, it's, it's a fact. There were hundreds of witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the most documented historical events there's ever been. And so um, that's the good news that we preach. People always want to say, well, no, it wasn't. It was a big story. Or they come up with ideas about Jesus didn't really die. He swooned. Uh, after all those things happened to him on the cross, he just passed out. And then he, he hid after that. You know, or the, the, uh, the soldiers hid his body um, so that, you know, for whatever reason. But see that... Um, the truth is that he defeated death. He died, defeated death, rose again, and that was a well-witnessed fact by hundreds of witnesses. And so, um, see, that's what it took. That's, it's so important. That's the heart of everything that we say. That's the message of reconciliation. Because we, we have a problem in and of ourselves. We've all sinned. 
um, and our sin has separated us from God. And God's good and God's faithful and God's true, but God's also holy and, and can't be in the presence of sin. And we're all sinners. We have an issue. That, that our own sin, our own choice have separated us from a loving God. We, we, we got an issue. And um, it's an issue that we can't solve on our end. It's unsolvable on our end. We can't go from being sinners to being not sinners. Once you've sinned, you've sinned. That's the deal. There's no, there's no unsinning. And, and you, don't, you don't work your way through it by, by being really good because that's what our culture would say. Well, you, okay, yeah, but, but you just be really good and that's what God looks at if you've done more, more good than bad, right? Isn't that what God's supposed to do? It doesn't say that anywhere in the book. It's a cultural thing. And who gets to determine what good looks like and how much of it you've done more than bad? Do you, do you get where that begins to fall apart? And yet our culture, if you ask most people, all right, what's the deal for eternal life or heaven or anything you're interested in? No, yeah, I'd love to go. Heaven's good. You, what do you think about it? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. How come you're going to be there? I'm a really good person. How do you define good? Well, I do more good than bad. Okay, well, I hope that works for you. But I really don't see any basis for that because, you know, who's to say? how that all plays out over time. And how do you know? Are you keeping count of your bad against your good? And, and how do you define bad? And how do you define good? And, you know, that's a pretty tough one. You better make sure here you're doing way more good than bad because you probably did way more bad than good at one point. Do you get where that's a little rough? But culturally, a lot of people set in that. But it doesn't work. The, the issue is, and, and people, once we've sinned, we're separated. We're done. But God loves us so much that he made a way. So he came. That's the whole deal. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He came, lived among us, did it perfectly, never sinned. Tempted in every way like we are, but never sinned. Never did what we've done. Never sinned. And then at the time of his choosing, went to the cross on our behalf and did what he did there. And, and that was enough to pay for all the sins uh, that we will ever commit have ever committed and will ever commit and, and all of them they're all covered because of that a momentous event at the cross God supernaturally coming living among us and dying there on the cross to pay for our sin it wasn't on his end it was all on our sin and he made a way to fix it then he defeated death and rose again that through Christ we have access back so see that's the stuff you gotta have a, a handle on of why this works and how that works and now God sees us in Christ that's the coolest thing that we got going. Um, we talk about that a lot here. But when God looks at you, if you know Christ, he sees you in Christ. He doesn't even see all the mess. He sees you in Christ. Because we've all got some mess still going on. I don't know anybody without some mess. We've all got some. But God sees us in Christ. And that's really good news. So um, because of what Jesus did, we can be reconciled to God. And, and because of that verse, because we've been reconciled to God, and we, we've got that part now, Part of what we do in that is that we tell others that they can be reconciled to God as well. That's my, why we don't get zapped up to heaven right away. Because now there's a mission for us. Now there's ministry for us. Now there's something for us to do. We figured it out because of God's grace. And now we need to tell others. Because somebody told us. Somebody did. Somewhere along the line somebody told you. That's how you got in. Somebody told you. And, and so now we're supposed to tell others. So that's part of the deal. And that leads me to this point, is that we are his ambassadors. That's the deal. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you think about that? that um, do you think that God uses you for 
this most important message. This is the biggest message in the universe. This is the biggest one. This is it. This is what it all comes down to. People getting this, hearing it, and acting on it. That's it. That's the, that's the main, most important thing in life. And he uses you. That's the plan. You heard it. You got it. And now you're supposed to tell others. You're supposed to be an ambassador for Christ. He's using us to implore others, which gives us a, an extreme outward focus. And it's, it's, to me, it's always about loving people the way that God does so that they can come to know him. That's how this whole thing works in and through us. It's not about, see, that message is important, but you have to, you have to earn the right with people to tell them that message. They won't hear it otherwise. And so, so you have to love them well enough that they want to hear it, that they want to listen. John three sixteen and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I put that verse in there because I think sometimes the church has missed that a little bit, and we've taken on, instead of loving the world like God does, we've decided that our mission is to condemn them. But it wasn't his mission. And so, how did we pick that up? We, we got it flip-flopped. And, and, and so we're not called to be the finger pointers of the universe about how bad people are. Most people inherently know there's an issue. What we're supposed to do is tell them and love them to the point where they get that there's a way out and that that's Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do. So the, the way that we, we get them is uh, to, to listen or to want to hear that message is that we have to love them enough that, that they go, well, you know, tell us, you know, what is that? What, what's going on? What's, what's going on with you? I, I want to hear that. And, and you'll get opportunities. People will say, and then you, and when you start talking about Jesus, they're usually go, oh, no, no, I don't want to hear that Jesus stuff. Um, that'll happen for a little while. And you just keep loving them. And, and then, they'll, then they'll keep coming back. Um, I'm so, I'm, I, I, I can't tell you how many times in my life someone has talked to me and then I've, I've told them, you know, uh, and, and at most times when they come in this context to see me, then they, they're expecting me to talk about Jesus. Outside of this context, when I'm just relating with people as me, um, and I, I don't usually tell people right off the bat what I do uh, if they don't know, because then they treat me different immediately. So I just don't bring it up. Because if you tell someone, I, well, I know most of you can't, but trust me, if you tell someone you're a pastor, they immediately treat you differently. I mean, that's not always good. It's not always bad. It's just different. And, and so they, because they've stared at you, they've boxed, you know, oh, I know pastors are like, <laughs> I, I tell you, so, like one time that sticks out in my mind, happens a lot, but I was golfing one time uh, when I used to golf more often. And uh, I was in a pickup foursome out there and um, the, this guy I was golfing with was a linebacking coach in the NFL. Very interesting guy. We were having interesting conversations and uh, we went through like nine holes and he was fascinating to talk to. I was having a great time. Um, his language was colorful. But I don't care. You know, people have colorful language. Why do I care? But um, uh, around, nine, around hole nine or ten, he got around to ask me what I did. Now, um, I told him I was a pastor. Since that time, when people ask me that question right off the bat, you know what I usually say now to buy myself some more time? I'm a motivational speaker, <laughs> which I feel is very true, because I feel that's part of what I do. Um, so I won't lie to him, and then, you know, I'll, I'll go deeper as we go. But, uh, but the moment I told this guy I was a pastor, 
he just kind of stopped and looked at me. He barely said two words the rest of the way. He was kind and stuff, but he, he, he felt like he couldn't use his colorful language anymore. And he didn't, he was like, and then he was thinking, I'm sure about everything that he said and going back. Now, what did I say to that guy? Oh, man, he should wear a sign. I'm sure that people wish that. <laughs> it's not fair. Um, but see, even that, I'm stereotyped because people expect me to act a certain way. and You, you can't tell. But anyway, um, we've got to love people enough for them to listen. And that's just about being real about them and being as honest as we can and, and hanging out and doing the stuff we do. So what do we do? We have our little thing called 521. Um, and you hear me say that all the time as part of a way of what we do is, a, is remembering our mission, be thankful for five things, encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to death. That actually comes out of 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness, uh, I, I like to define righteousness this way. It's being right with God and then doing what is right to the best of your ability. You hear me say that all the time, trying to do the next right thing. That's what righteousness is all about. Being right with God, which happens in Christ, and then uh, as the Holy Spirit leads us, trying to do the next right thing. We just did a whole thing on last weekend about true righteousness that loves people and sees people the way they need to see, we need to see them. So that's what we do. We, we, that's how we live this out in the world. It's that that allows us... Um, avenues to speak into people's lives it's not a self-righteousness which doesn't work it's the righteousness that comes from God being right with God and living by trying to do what is right we're not perfect and so we don't need to run around and judge everybody that's messing up around us um, pointing fingers at judgment that doesn't work what we recognize is that all of us the entire world desperately needs God in our lives and so we're, we always try and hold on to that thought and then um, like we talked about this past weekend, always looking at people um, with the beauty of their potential in mind, what they can become, just like he sees in us and still sees in us, what we can become yet in Christ as we move along. So hang on to those ideas as we continue on our mission. We're going to pick up um, 2 Corinthians 6 next time we get together. And uh, Paul talks more about um, how people are to be treated and stuff in, in 2 Corinthians 6. And actually, I think we'll do, we're going to do 6 and 7 together. There's some neat stuff that we're going to look at. But we'll save that for the next time that I, um, I hear teaching. So uh, we'll stop it there for today. If you're watching on television or on video, thank you so much for spending your valuable time with us. We appreciate you doing that. And uh, if there's anything you can do, you can go to our, if we can do for you, go to our website at keysvineyard.com and drop us an email or give us a call and we'll see what we can do to help you uh, with whatever's going on in your life, okay? But thanks for watching and we'll see you soon.